Murderers are not monsters. They're men. And that's the most frightening thing about them. Alice Siebold, The Lovely Bones. It's not the monsters that hide in the dark that we need to be afraid of, but the ones who walk in the light among us. Alexandra Nicolette Brueger's monsters stalked her in broad daylight in a small, quiet town in Holly, Michigan. Was it random or was it personal? Or was it the boyfriend? Hmm? I'm your host, Michael, and this is Strange and Unexplained. like he's the culprit, or her, or maybe him, but this guy right here, I wonder, hmm. I'm feeling alley, wonderland, I wonder man, where the man killing his heart was broken to an yo. I'm feeling alley, wonderland, I wonder man, where the man killing his heart was broken to an yo. Feeling alley, wonderland, I wonder man, where the man killed his heart was broken twins. Feeling alley, wonderland, I wonder man, where the man killed his heart was broken twins. They tell me to do right, I'd rather just go west. I gotta take this left, I see no tests, I love you, but I feel heartless with no stress, I'm clean with this. Just come on down my alley, I'll make you my telly. I don't trust nobody, so that takes your body. The next morning I'm saying, I heard you screaming in my dreams. Then the phone rang. I thought I was going insane, but really who's to blame? I can't remember my name. Feeling alley, wonderland, I wonder man, where the man killer his heart was broken twins. Yeah. Feeling alley, wonderland, I wonder man, where the man killer his heart was broken twins. As a detective, I'm moving the purpose is deep in the surface. They closing the curtain, I know that I'm searching. Somebody's the serpent, the family is hurting, but nothing is working. I feel like my head like tough fight, shit. Let me get right. Whoa, yeah. I'm feeling like alley, wonderland, I wonder man, where the man killer his heart was broken twins. Yeah. Alexandra was known to those that loved and knew her best as Allie. She was the only child of Franz and Nicolette Brueger. They described her as humble, creative, and passionate. She was also very petite in stature, standing only 4'9 and weighing around 98 pounds. The 31-year-old was working as an RN at Providence Park Hospital, and she was very loving and she was a very gentle nurse. She worked hard and she enjoyed her job. But her true passion was writing, and she was actively pursuing a master's degree in creative writing. She also enjoyed running. For over 10 years, she had been running, rain or shine. She was out there. Her mother, half-joking in an interview, said that she would run in a blizzard. A long, quiet route that weaved in and out of the back and dirt roads, covering around 10 miles. Allie set out for her usual afternoon run on Saturday, July 30th, 2016 just as she did every single day. With her mother's routine parting words of, be careful out there. Around 2.30, shots rang out. 
and they shattered the quiet of that small town like delicate glass. And one found its intended target to be none other than Allie. Just two miles from her destination, she fell to the ground 50 feet from the roadside on one of her usual routes, in the front yard of an unidentified witness. He had seen her running before, and he heard the shots, and he said he ducked down behind some furniture. He dared a gaze out the window after hearing a woman scream. And as he did, he witnessed a woman running with her hands up, and she collapsed right in his front yard. He didn't catch a vehicle or sight of anyone else. He reacted immediately, grabbing his phone and calling 911 as he ran out the front door to see if he could help the young woman. Allie had been hit in the lower back with a blast from a shotgun from only a few feet away. She was bleeding out fast, as you could imagine. An ambulance was on the scene in minutes, but unfortunately by the time they arrived at the hospital, Allie was declared dead. The blast had severed an artery and leading to Allie's death. She was a generous person, and she had wished to donate all of her organs upon her death, but due to the manner of the murder, she was unable to do so. The community was shook. The initial thought was that Allie was attacked by someone she knew, targeted and assassinated for reasons unknown but personal. This proved to be a red herring, and to have distracted the public from focusing on any suspicious suspects that were in the area at that very time. It's possible someone saw something that day, but because it was some stranger, they just wrote it off as nothing, and as a result, they never came forward with what may have been crucial information. Then, three days after Allie's murder, something happened that caused serious concern, but it was also coming as a possible break in the case, as it was over 600 miles away in Queens. Karina Vetrano, she was found beaten and strangled to death on a remote trail where she'd gone jogging near her home. And then, just five days after that, a third female jogger, Vanessa Marcotte, was found burned to death in Princeton, Massachusetts. She was attacked on a remote road while running alone, just like Allie. A cloud of fear began to build, and it spread. People were terrified. Was a serial killer stalking and killing women while they jogged alone in remote areas? Yes, actually, that's that happens a lot. That was a dumb question. But... A roaming serial killer who chose women at random? Yes, that's, that's actually how most of them did choose. But anyways, in this case, what made matters worse was police couldn't say for certain where his target area was. That really, that's the, that's the big problem here, right? You know, you think of a lot of serial killers, the Green River Killer. You're like, oh, <laughs> at least I don't live on the Green River, right? <laughs> it's like, that's, that's not where it is. You get what I'm saying. You get what I'm saying. Um, but for months, police pursue this lead, and the department's communicated information, all three areas, they held their breaths and took extra precautions as they waited for police to solve these cases. And eventually, there were arrests made in both of the East Coast cases, not the Michigan case with Allie. And they were determined to all be separate events. So they were back at square one, with no suspects, no leads, and most importantly, no freaking hope. Police started over and started focusing more locally. They started to look into all the people Allie knew in her personal life, starting with her boyfriend, Wes Sutherland. Allie met Wes at work, or of course, she worked as an RN. Wes was working as an aide while on his way to becoming an RN. 
According to Allie's parents, Allie had dated Sutherland for two years before they broke up, just three months before Allie's death. In that time, they had only met Sutherland twice. Allie had moved back in with her parents in Holly, Michigan after the breakup, and they believed that this time it was serious, and Allie was really wanting to move on. However, Wes told a different story. He claims that he and Allie had reconciled, and that she was planning on coming over later that day, as the two were planning on moving back in together. Wow. What, what a different tale. She had broken up with Wes because the two varied in their prioritization of marriage. Allie wanted to get married right away. She was ready to start an ideal life as a wife. But Wes did not have the same urgency. He didn't think it was responsible to get married before he had graduated. He had a while to go in school before becoming a fully registered nurse. And he was living pretty well while working as an aide at the hospital, but felt it was not enough to take on a wife yet. Right? Or not enough to, uh, not be, not enough to be the breadwinner? Is that what you mean? I think that's what he means, right? Doesn't want to get married and his wife make more money than him? Just kidding. Totally spitballing. That's off, that's, that's off color, Michael. Get back to the freaking case, okay? We don't care about your fucking opinion. Right on, right on. But anyways, he said he wanted to be able to, to care for her and provide for her before they actually got married. This had come between them. Okay, and their relationship was growing quite cold. But Allie's parents claimed that the pair split because Allie discovered that Wes was frequenting a dating site, which he did admit to doing, but claims it was not the reason they broke up, because they were already having problems at the time. Good excuse, Wes. No, that's not the reason. Um, we were actually already having a lot of other problems that could have been the reason as well, um, but not that. That just, that was not the reason. <laughs> So the couple came to a compromise and agreed to get engaged at Christmas. Then they would wait and plan the wedding for after his graduation. Okay? So they actually got together. They actually did get back together. Wes did not give up. This seemed to be enough for Allie, and she and Wes had decided to reconcile. He claims the time apart just made them realize how much they needed each other. You know? You know how it does. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Wes was brought in and questioned and given two polygraph tests. The results of one test were inconclusive, and he was told he failed the other one. However, he believes he did not fail the test, but that the police told him that he did, to intimidate him and try to get him to confess. He believes Allie may have, target, have been targeted by another co-worker that they knew, or possibly even by her own parents. Dun, dun, dun! You see the conflict between Allie's, Allie's parents and Wes? You know what the problem is? Neither one of these people know the other one. They only met Wes twice. Of course you're going to be suspicious of someone that's dating your daughter and doesn't want to be around you or for you to get to know them. Vice versa, Wes has no fucking idea what Allie's parents are like. He only met them twice. Of course he's going to have uh, negative feelings about them, especially if they didn't like him and were encouraging Allie to move on. What am I, Dr. Phil? All right, here we go. So anyways, he believes... That uh, it could have been her parents. Of course, the Brugers were looked at and questioned, as with most murder cases, but there was no evidence to convince anyone that Allie had problems with her parents, That would, especially not problems that would cause such a violent result, right? We, we always have conflicts with our parents, but we don't want to kill them. They don't want to kill us. Most cases, parents don't want to kill their kids, unless you're Casey Anthony. Oh, goodness, we're getting off color here. We really are. 
Wes's only reason for pointing fingers at Franz Brueger was because of his behavior. This is uh, Ali's dad, of course. Was because of his behavior towards his wife, Nikki, and the way she is mourning a great loss. Nikki did all she could to stay close to Ali. She drove her car. She even finished raising her dog. An American bulldog mixed named Zeus. But Franz apparently mourns differently and he chooses to work through his loss with less connection, and apparently told Nikki that she needed to move on in a moment of anger. But a lot of people say things when they're hurt, when they're angry. People deal with, people deal with grief much differently. But Wes interpreted this as a very unusual thing for a loving father to say to a grieving person, um, especially a grieving mother. But not an exact reason for suspicion. But I guess you can see where he's coming from. But we all grieve differently, like I said. Franz did voluntarily undergo a polygraph test in 2018, and police said he passed. The Brugers are not suspects in Allie's murder. They have suffered a great loss, and Nikki is very honest about how she feels now, losing her only child. Only one can imagine. She talks about how every day it's hard to find any joy because her baby girl is not there. And she shared this quote. It's like losing your breath and never catching it again. It's a forever panic attack as your soul is screaming for them. It's feeling your heart dying as you continue to lose your mind. That's from Death of a Child. Um, it's, it's a text entitled Death of a Child by an unknown author. Um, and it was shared by Nicolette Brueger, I guess on social media. So, let's fast forward and bring you up to date on what's going on in this case. Wes is still not really under suspicion right now. Police believe he lied to them, and he may not have killed her. But, he was lying about something. The police are not ruling out anyone, but do believe Allie's killer was a stranger to her. They believe that they can still solve Allie's murder if someone can help them find the missing piece. A witness who knows anything, no matter how small, can crack this case wide open. On the day of the murder, a white or light-colored sedan was seen speeding in the area, but police were unable to track down much else. It is also possible Allie was targeted due to a road rage incident. Though police initially did believe that Allie's attack was personal, the instance is most likely a random attack, they say now, and just the thought of that scares those who still live in the area. Allie's death is still being actively investigated, and a reward of up to $20,000 is being offered for information leading to an arrest. She was awarded her Master's of Creative Writing posthumously. If you have any information that could help, please report it by calling 1-855-MICHTIP. That's 1-855-MICHTIP. 1-855-MICHTIP. Alright guys, so that's the case of Ali Brueger. Let me know what you guys think. Of course, as always, if you live in the area, if you've heard something, um, you know anything about that, be very interested. Email me at sandupodcast at gmail.com. But I hope uh, you guys have a great recollection of the case now, a great idea. And I uh, hope you guys also enjoyed the intro this week by IB. Like I told you in the last episode, IB will be uh, helping us out here in True Crime Guys Productions on all of our musical endeavors. So, very excited about that. I am uh, very happy to share the load. <laughs> I say so myself. 
But yeah, go give IB some love. There is links to his Spotify and Patreon page in the link below this episode, um, all through his link tree. So go check out everything that IB has to offer. He's an amazing artist with tons of music already on Spotify for you to enjoy. So guys, like I said, that's my opinion. That's the dope intro. There's only one thing left to get to and you know what it is. You know what it is. He is breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. Let's check in with Lauren in this week's Lauren Synopsis. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis. Breaking down the case like... Breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis. Breaking down the case like... Breaking down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis. Breaking down the case like... Break it down the case like cardboard boxes. What's up, people? Lauren here. Here to get my thoughts on this week's Strange and Unexplained. The murder of Allie Brueger, a 31-year-old woman from Michigan who in 2016 was working as a nurse while also going through art school and with dreams of becoming a writer. Um, and uh, she was out on July 30th doing her daily jog of 10 miles quite a feat. And apparently she would do this jog regardless of what the weather was like, regardless of how she felt. She would do this, no excuses. Um, however, on this particular day, on July 30th, she would be tragically gunned down by an assailant with a shotgun who would shoot her multiple times in the back with this shotgun before fleeing the scene. Um, there was initially pressure on her ex-boyfriend. She had broken up with a boyfriend of two years recently before this, a man named Wes Sutherland. Um, and she had moved in, back in with her parents after living with uh, Wes Sutherland not long before this occurs. Um, now, there would be fingers pointed back and forth between her ex, Wes, and uh, he would point back at her parents saying that her father could have done this, that she had a bad relationship with her father. Um, I find it highly unlikely that if... Uh, parents were going to kill their their only child, which uh, Allie was um, the Brugger's only daughter, only child, um, and basically the light of their life, the reason for living uh, in their old age was just to see their daughter succeed. I find it highly unlikely that, you know, her father would have gunned her down like that. Uh, I don't see any motive there. However, I do see quite a bit of motive with a jealous, angry ex um, in West Sutherland. And I'm not going to sit here and say there's evidence enough evidence to you know take him to trial or anything like that but there's de definitely more motive there from him than there is uh the parents and also more motive i believe than uh, a random person doing this i don't see why there was no robbery motive there was she was not sexually assaulted so i just don't see why a random person would just gun her down that's a very rare crime when someone just shoots someone randomly for the fun of it something like that in broad daylight. Um, I mean, I know we did on True Crime Guys just do a, a, a case recently um, with a man who would just randomly shoot hunters. Uh, but that is a very, very rare occurrence. Um, I think it's highly, much more likely that this was a scorned ex. And maybe if it wasn't Wes, it was someone that Wes either hired or knew to do this. Because I know the police have come out uh, recently and said that they... Uh, now they're saying that she did not know her killer, that they have evidence to believe that she did not know her killer, but that doesn't mean that Wes couldn't have been involved still. Um, once again, allegedly, I, I, I can't say for certain that Wes had anything to do with it, and it'd be a tragedy if he didn't because, you know, so many people have um, 
basically come out and said he's done it. Um, and if he hadn't, man, that'd be, that'd be a terrible thing to deal with. You're a woman you loved being killed and then you get blamed for it. But sure looks like he's the most likely suspect. And I know he's been on the radar of the police since the beginning. He's come out in his own defense. He failed a, a polygraph uh, question regarding, you know, who killed, did he kill Allie? He failed that question. It's kind of a bad one to fail. Although we've talked at length about polygraphs on true crime guys and really kind of what a joke they can be, why they're not held up in court most of the time. So they're usually used as just a police tactic to put pressure on. Um, but yeah, uh, hopefully, hopefully something comes to light in this one. But uh, I'm not hopeful because I just don't think there's anything. There's no cameras. It was a rural road. Uh, there's no cameras. And if it, you know, if Wes had something to do with it, I, I don't think at this point that he's going to come clean. So, um, and if it was a random, random person, there's, there's no heat on this person. There's nothing linking this random person to her. So I don't, I don't know. I'm not hopeful that this is going to get solved unless someone, wink, wink, comes forward and, uh, you know, maybe feels guilty and finally admits to what they've done. But uh, that's my thoughts. Hope you guys enjoyed it. See you next week. All right, all right. Lauren, thanks so much for that synopsis. And I think you're on point with this one. I think somebody, wink, wink, has to come forward for this to go any further. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Maybe if he didn't do it himself, maybe it was a contract killing, right? So maybe both. Maybe it was Wes and it was a stranger who killed her. Hmm. Most likely this scenario, I would think. Small town of Holly Springs. But then again, you know, like Lauren said, the Ohio sniper that we just covered on True Crime Guys. Um, small town. Small town. Small counties, really, where these killings were happening. And some the first man that this guy killed was a jogger. Just out jogging by himself. So, I don't know. Um, but anyways, I want to thank you guys for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. And if you guys really love the show and you want more content, the best place to start is patreon.com slash podcast. Guys, for just three bucks a month, you get access to two more shows that I do. Every Monday, I release a show called Strange Shorts, um, where I talk about uh, smaller cases, interesting cases, cases, more current stuff, uh, some stuff from history, if I find it's an interesting history lesson. And a lot of times I'll have my wife on too, and we can kind of bounce back and forth. It's interesting to get her perspective on these cases as well. Um, so it's a good time. Strange Shorts, every Monday. Um, and then every other Saturday, I release a show called Higher Thoughts, and there will be one coming out. Or there was one released this past Saturday, if you're listening on the free platform, for you patrons who are hearing this on Thursday, in two days, uh, Higher Thoughts Episode 4 will be released. I believe four or five? I, I can never remember what numbers I'm on. You know, i got a lot of shows going on. Uh, but anyways, guys, that's patreon.com slash podcast. Best way to support the show. Um, next best way, probably leave a review. Subscribe. Tell your friends. Uh, maybe buy some merch. We've got some really cool merch. All the links are right below the description. Check out the link tree for True Crime Guys. Um, but I want to give a shout out to two reviewers. Number one, uh, Tick is Me 60 from the uh, from the United States says five stars. So good. Michael's conversational style is entertaining. He's made me laugh, cry, and talk back to the radio. Yeah, probably correcting one of my pronunciations. Right. <laughs> I love that they cover cases about people of color. Since finding this podcast, I actually look forward to my 100-mile weekday commute so I can listen. Right on. Right on. Glad to keep you company. Glad to keep you company. 
Also, I want to give a big shout to Snoopy Noodle via Apple Podcasts in the United States as well. It says, uh, y'all, it's about unexplained cases. Yeah, you get it. You get it. Left a five-star review saying, I was really fighting this at first because it drives me nuts not knowing how it ends. I know, right? However, that is literally the point if you read the description. To Michael, TCG, Sandu, loving it. Love that you and Lauren do separate prep to hear your views, takes on the case from both your sides. Your voices are like butter on a bald monkey. The natural conversation is a refresher from the scripted play-by-play you hear elsewhere. Well, thank you so much. And I don't know if I've ever received a greater compliment about my voice than butter on a bald monkey. Gosh darn, that must be freaking smooth. Am I right? (laughs) But thank you guys so much. Uh, All reviews, I read them, even bad ones, of course. You know, gotta stay humble out here. That's how the world works. If you ain't got no haters, you ain't doing enough. That's just the way it is. But thank you guys so much for supporting, uh, for for telling people about the show, for buying a t-shirt, whatever it is. I thank you. Thank you so much, even if you just listen weekly and never talk to podcast hosts just like me. <laughs> but anyways, guys, uh, we'll catch you next week for a new strange and unexplained case. Actually, next week is Sandu Stories, so I will not catch you. If you're Patreon, if you're on Patreon, I will catch you with a new Sandu Stories, Chapter 6. I'm very excited about this one. IB will be scoring this episode. It's going to be very theatrical. You guys are not ready. We are bringing the drama be strange. Just don't be a stranger. <laughs>